You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking excellent. I'm Holly Morgan, I'm obsessed with divas, and my husband Tom is also here. Whatever Lola wants. Divas, this is a big one. Our subject is a Broadway legend, multiple Tony, Grammy and Emmy Award winner, and one of the most influential performers of all time. Her disarming smile, auburn hair and iconic performance style are enshrined in musical theatre legend, and she's remembered as being one of the all-time great performers, muses, and often not fully credited collaborators of the great white way our subject is none other than gwen verdon and with us to discuss the great gwen verdon is one of my own personal heroes if ever someone was destined to stage greatness it's today's guest they have been treading the boards and delighting audiences from a young age everywhere from front rooms in the midlands to packed west end houses they are an actor a singer a dancer recent viral sensation and history maker as the only person apart from actual madonna to be named as diva of the week twice to quote another great diva nana madge would you say this boy was interested in theater it's robert madge <laughs> Hello. What a warm welcome. It feels like, you know, you know, in the X Factor where there's like Alexandra Burke, platinum selling album. Exactly. <laughs> Robert Mash! Rachel Adadeji. <laughs> uh, literally Rachel Adadeji. I'm chuffed with that. Thank you. Honestly, you are the Rachel Adadeji of our podcast. <laughs> thank you for having, quite frankly, the nerve to come on this podcast and not be like, are they going to wear my skin? They're obsessed with me. <laughs> Have you, have you told everyone where you are? I just went, have it. <laughs> also, I, Drop I, a think, pen. I think we might have uh, misnamed Nana. Is Nana Madge Granny Grimble? Oh my goodness, she is. Nana Madge is Granny Grimble. So, uh, yeah, she's um, actually, she's, so this is a bit of insight into the narcissism of our family. She's Granny Roberts and I'm called Robert because um, she's my mum's mum. Yeah. My mum's maiden name is Robert. So... I'm Robert. Oh, <laughs> oh, could have been so Robert gorgeous. Roberts in another, in another <laughs> life. Robert Roberts in another life, you know. Ah, like she, the Neville Neville of musical theatre. She seems like the most amazing woman. <laughs> oh, God, she was amazing. Was she? Such a, oh. such a brilliant woman, yeah. Oh. Um, thrilled that she's getting some recognition. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Just like Gwen Verdon, stepping out from behind a great auteur. <laughs> Listen, every Gwen Verdon needs an, a Granny Grimble. <laughs> Grimble Verdon? Grimble yeah, Grimble Verdon. Love that. <laughs> Incredible. So can, tell us a little bit about, so you're making a one-man show. Is that why you, you started releasing the videos? Um, it's not actually why I started releasing them. It's kind of become a byproduct of releasing them. Um, I was... Uh, sat at home very bored in lockdown and my dad decided to get a VHS player off eBay because we've got loads of videos just lying about and not doing anything and we were feeling a bit nostalgic so we got the VHS player we put the videos in and that Disney parade video just cracked us up so much so I was like oh I've got to share this and from that from that it did well and people related to it in some bizarre way so <laughs> so I thought there's there's a, a bit of a show there 
And yes, I am working on a little one-man show. So yeah, just a little hour, just a fun little hour at the theatre. Just an have hour. A drink, just an hour. You know. yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. gonna be amazing. Yeah, don't keep people too long. That's good. Get in, get out. <laughs> That's what just we used hour. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Wash my hands of them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've had your money now. Fuck off. <laughs> Thank you. Off you go now. Don't stick my steal my original choreography. Listen, I thought it could be longer, but um, there's so many videos. <laughs> we could be there all day. Were you doing them every week? Like doing little your shows? I think I must have done, you know. <laughs> I've, I've tried to chronologically order all, all my videos. And um, yeah, there's quite a lot. I mean, my favourite my favorite thing about them actually is what we title the videos. Mm-mm. So any any old home cassette would say, Cinderella Christmas Eve 2003 and another one says Robert's show and bowling <laughs> I, I think that might be what I call the show Robert's <laughs> show and bowling you're going for an avant-garde face it's one of those things where I'm dressed as Snow White and then it just cuts to me like going down <laughs> trying to get a, a strike as and then Snow it cuts White. back to Snow White <laughs> so abrupt I love it it's just how it was though isn't it yeah, you exactly. watch these old home videos it's like why am I suddenly doing in bowling and then I've got a saucepan on my head playing the Wicked Queen I mean it's just ridiculous I ask myself that to this day you do I guess it was because we were trying to use up the tape wasn't it yeah like, like, we've got to get value for money out of this we're going to get the whole weekend <laughs> the journey to the bowling Frankie and Venice and then back for a bit of- that's exactly, exactly what it Snow is Snow White Act 2 and all of it, it was all truly fascinating content. No, <laughs> so. it really is. <laughs> Don't worry, we've watched it. Don't we know. We're obsessed. <laughs> no, you've seen the good bits. Wading through all of the other bits, it's just, oh, I'm like, for God's sake, when is Beauty and the Beast coming? <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Dad's just got another strike. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, dear. So... Oh, Snow White crying because you've got a split. Yeah. <laughs> But I think they've just touched so many people because your family are amazing and you are so talented and so, so in charge of this wonderful family. It's just, it's just glorious. It's just um, (laughs) shocking to look back at some of it and um, to see how bizarre it was but seeing the seeing how some people say that they had similar childhoods makes me feel um validated and yes. less, <laughs> less alone amazing <laughs> oh, was it was it granny grimble that got you into to theater um i would say it was granny grimble and my dad's mum who i suppose would be Na- nana madge actually nana madge she, yeah, nana madge yeah. yeah so i'd say it would be those two because Nana Madge would make me um she was a, a big knitter cross stitcher you know the kind and she'd make me wigs out of her leftover wool when I was about three um just because I liked them uh so I think that's where it all kind of germinated we shall say there's that literature degree no she's coming through you know she was, <laughs> worth, she was worth something and uh yeah, and, and Dad liked putting on shows in the front room. <laughs> so that, he didn't like it, but he had a choice. Um, so it happened. It happened. It happened, yeah. Whether he liked it or not, it was happening. <laughs> See, I have to but... check myself every now and then because I feel like that's the kind of thing I just said as a 12-year-old. <laughs> and he loves doing it. It's his favourite thing ever. <laughs> he never listens to me. Is one of my favourites aside. 
<laughs> never listens to a word I say. <laughs> love, I, I just love how um have the audacity to say that when he's doing what he's doing. <laughs> I think he, I think he does listen just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, this isn't his job. No, he's in theatre blacks in his own home. And he I absolutely love that. We were cracking up when we listened to um your guys' podcast the other week, and you said. <laughs> He's in black. That just killed us, honestly. Because <laughs> he oh. was unintentionally. He's, uh, he's not to be seen. He's not to be seen by the audience. No. That's the whole point. <laughs> you can't look behind the curtain. No, don't video him. Like a stage oh. manager as well. It's like you know when you when you when you actually work in a theatre, like the stage managers never seem to really particularly like theatre. No. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like anyone any backstage crew, they're always a bit like fucking how, actors how or fucking musicals. Like they don't want to be there. <laughs> it's so, so, so that, true. Yes. That's like sense of ennui coming from your dad. It's yes. <laughs> very stage manager esque. It is, isn't it? Oh god. Oh, amazing. What is his profession? <laughs> he he supplies electrics. Amazing. He's a techie. He's, no, he's a techie. He's a, he's a, techie. He's a lambie. He's a techie. And you know, when we, when, we used to, <laughs> when we used to go to the theatre, when we used to go to the panto, he would actually be looking and he's not so much uh, up to speed with stage lighting, but in the foyer, he'd be like, oh, they could do with another LED there behind that bar. <laughs> this strip lighting is punishing. <laughs> You know what? It's a 360 theatrical experience with the matches. <laughs> it starts when you walk in the door. It's immersive. We don't miss a trick. It's immersive. Uh, I suppose oh. that kind of was something that I was part of, the, the immersive theatre movement, without even realising. Yeah, exactly. You, know? yeah, you had no idea. You were a progenitor Secret of cinema st- took your idea. Yeah. Exactly. It did. God. Secret right. panto. <laughs> Oh my god, guys! Oh, I think we've just done it. <laughs> An immersive, like uh, promenade panto that's socially distanced. This is brilliant. Retirement. <laughs> this is it. This is Here our Sign up. This is our Chicago. Great. great. Well, now we've booked you. That's great. <laughs> oh, very good thematic. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And you're absolutely livid about it and die by the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uses. Uh, <laughs> now. I am absolutely thrilled we're going to talk about Graham Verdon. Yeah. But before we do, we're going to ask you the questions that we ask all of our guests. I cannot wait to hear your answers. Okay. okay. I will always love you. Who is your ride or die diva? It would be Julie Walters. <gasps> oh! Oh! Great answer. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Brilliant. Never had a Walters. Never had a Walters. Oh, lovely. Excellent. Go on. Yeah. Absolutely. Pourquoi? Um, Julie Walters, because um, she's she's a Brummie like myself originally. Mm. Of course, um, we don't have the accent, which is a blessing in disguise. Um, <laughs> so there's there's Julie uh, for that reason, and because you know she's a staunch Labour supporter, but mostly for Mrs. Overall. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, of course, that is yes. another part dear to your heart. <laughs> and and two suits, you know, those <laughs> that elderly waitress doddering along with her tea set and suit that's falling out of the bowl. Uh, there's no other diva quite like her. No, she there does isn't. things her way. <laughs> yeah, she'll take her time. Yeah, and she'll make you wait for it. Um, and I just, I, I appreciate that in, <laughs> in a diva. Incredible. Yeah, exactly. Epitaph. Yeah. <laughs> she takes her time and she makes you wait for it. <laughs> You'll never watch that sketch in the same light now. <laughs> no, I won't. Incredible. I've been thinking about little Robert Madge being like, 
this. This is me. This is my manifesto. <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> Fully. Fully. She can also do any accent, Chili Waters. And will, at and the she, drop of a hat. She likes to do Scottish, doesn't she? That's one of the she ones she likes to trot out as often she as does, possible. She does like a Scottish, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. She's Scottish in Paddington, isn't she? She is. And in yes. Harry... No, not Harry Potter, the other one. <laughs> no. Paddington. <laughs> Paddington two. <laughs> oh, um, the one with um, the singer who was on the on the who was on the um, who was on uh, the Nancys. Oh, uh, Wild Rose. Yes. Oh, Wild yes. Rose. Yes, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. there was Je- one. Jesse, yeah. Jesse Buckley. Jesse yeah. Buckley. Buckley. That's it. Yeah. Got oh, her in the end. No, I love for Julie. I live Julie. Oh my God, I live for Julie, and I love Julie. Uh, <laughs> I live Julie. <laughs> I live Julie. Uh, fantastic, excellent answer, and. Who runs the world? To which diva would you give the nuclear codes? Um, Miriam Margulies. <laughs> <laughs> this panel of divas is like, it's the great and the good of British theatre. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Miriam Margulies. Um, <laughs> she's um, unashamedly Miriam, isn't she? She's, she there's, is. There's no other work, way to describe Miriam other than Miriam, yeah. full Pure stop. Miriam. But um, have you seen that? Uh, she was on this morning eating an ice cream. And uh, it was in that moment that I, I was watching her eat that and I thought, she um she should be our president. Um, <laughs> she's just brilliant. And the things she comes out with on Graham Norton just honestly cracked me up. Yeah. She's always got something to say. Oh, she's I've always got something to say. And she is eloquent and foul-mouthed. And that, that compla- contra- the, the use of swearing as a lovely sort of like seasoning. Yes. It's yeah. really powerful. It really is. It's intentional. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Oh, I, I'm obsessed. Obsessed with this already. Miriam Margulies would absolutely press the button as well. <laughs> oh, she would. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, honestly. Oh, yeah. blow him all to hell. Ah, I just love when she kind of um, gets up in all these Trump supporters' faces and all these documentaries she's done. She doesn't give a crap. I think she's... No. <laughs> no, she doesn't give a shit. It was like when she was on, um, on this morning, she was like, I, I, I thought... I thought to myself, am I a bad person for wanting momentarily Boris Johnson to die? I was like, no, babe, you are us, just sweet Miriam. Okay, yeah, she would exactly. press that button. Repeatedly, she'd get it oh, jammed. That's brilliant. And she said, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, the Queen once told her to shut up. I think that's, <gasps> that's brilliant. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Because she was going on about herself too much. So the Queen said, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Which also the Queen gets honorary mention for that as well. Yeah, exactly. She does, yeah. 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 A lifetime of just being like, "Mm, yeah, your children are nice. (laughs) Shut up. Fair play, Liz. Fair play. (laughs) Only she said it to her husband. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. Material girl. What's on your rider? Oh, this was a fun one to think of. Amazing. So I'd have a framed photograph of Jasmine Masters. Because, believe it or not, she is my uh, wallpaper on my phone. Is she? Because <laughs> you have something to say. To say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she has something to say. Yes, it's all people who have things to say. Um, she, um, she is the wallpaper on my phone. Um, uh, it's just this photo of her eating a burger. And she looks really angry at whoever she's talking to. And she's, she's, got, she's got this burger in her hand. And she just looks furious. And that's just a mood. Um, so I'd, I'd have that in kind of a shrine. Um, I would have um, some Ben and Jerry's cookie dough because there's yes. no harm in that. I'd have uh, <laughs> I'd have Malibu and Coke, basic, I know, but she lives for the high school nostalgia, drinking on a field. 
she'd have propranolol because anxiety and a hot tub. <laughs> oh my god, that is the most fully realised rider. <laughs> I wouldn't have propranolol just before the hot tub because apparently no. the bubbles don't go well. All the Malibu, you know, you need to have all these things separately. Yes. The good thing about Jasmine Masters is you can have that all the time. Yeah, you can. Uh, she's just there to look at throughout. It's just so, a constant... well, yeah. up or down. I feel like yeah. that's the the policy the Drag Race producers applied for a couple of seasons. It was like is she just in the parking lot because she's in every episode. Did she ever go home? There's that ongoing joke, isn't there, that she lives in LA? So they're like, oh, she only lives down the road. <laughs> just bring her out. <laughs> she drives in at the drop of a hat. Ah! <laughs> Oh, I love her so much. She is great. Oh, God. <laughs> the way she just literally doesn't couldn't give two shits every time she's eliminated. She'll have it back. Yeah, honestly. She's like, I saw this coming. <laughs> I didn't put much into it, to be fair. Checks out. One of my, um, my favourite bits is when she's doing a lip sync against Trinity, the tuck in All Stars. Yeah. And Trinity's doing this, like, booty shaking moment. And Jasmine's going, I'm trying to do the same, but nothing is moving. And she's just laughing about it. And like any other queen, Valentina would be crying. Yeah, exactly. oh, no, This is the end of my career. She's like, I can't do this. <laughs> but I'm still on telling. I got my appearance fee, so fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm slightly concerned about all the dairy in your rider. I just worry you're going to get a mixy tummy <laughs> with that Malibu and the, and the Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. I, I am. I do think I'm lactose intolerant as well, which adds another <laughs> a, another layer to this. Living on the edge, babe. A danger rider. <laughs> a danger rider. Yeah. I shouldn't have these things, but um, I do. But that's, because that's you're being what? Sickening. Sickening. Because I'm sick. <laughs> and also being sick. <laughs> Quite regularly. Yeah. I'm sicking. I'm si- over the side of my hot tub. <laughs> Still fucking. Oh, ah! Back to Jasmine. <laughs> What's more diva than that, you know? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Vomiting up your own Ben and Jerry's in your hot tub. Yeah. Fuck the consequences. Yeah. I've heard this. You've got like Patty Lupone, who's like, as a diva, you're someone who delivers and takes it very seriously, doesn't like the term. Then you've got Mariah Carey. You're much more towards the Mariah end of the spectrum. Thank you. And of course, Diva Dim is a spectrum. <laughs> oh, Mariah. Oh, oh happy, Mariah. New oh, happy New Year. Happy New Year. We didn't get a sound check. <laughs> Why are you miming? How she just walks. <laughs> she just struts on that stage. No one can tell her anything. No one can tell what her. What does she anything. say to the da- like a dancer or something? She's like, oh, he's going over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. Live commentary. <laughs> Guess you're walking over there. <laughs> obsessed oh Oh my god right if i could turn back time which diva would you send into which historical situation charo and the cuban missile crisis for instance (laughs) for example example. (laughs) just plucking that at random oh god mine's nowhere near as good as that um i would um now, this is kind of a, a real-life situation that happened to this diva. Emma Thompson uh, was once asked on a date by Donald Trump. <gasps> she spoke about this on Graham Norton. <gasps> and she said she herself said she'd love to go back in time just to ruffle his toupee and pull it off. <gasps> and then the world would know. And oh. I would, honestly, I think that could change the world, to be totally honest. I think that could change the world. It could, actually. 
I think yeah, if Emma yeah. Thompson had gone on that date, ripped off his toupee, Donald Trump might have a bit of humility about him. And we could we might not be in in this situation today. Absolutely. Oh my god, she could have deflated that male ego with one ruffle. The ruffle that was fe- felt around the world. <laughs> Look, truly. Truly. It, <laughs> That's the butterfly flapping its wings, isn't it? It's Donald's <laughs> toupee ruffling in the breeze. <laughs> And in, in, in its rightful place, Emma Thompson is the butterfly. Oh, obsessed with her. Do you know what? She was on a podcast the other day because someone, like, she just she just like, was a fan of a podcast. Like, I'll be on it. So I'm like, let's get Emma Thompson. Yeah. We just do an interview with her. Oh, about herself. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> she knows all the details. We don't need to do the research. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she, she can just tell us. <laughs> that, is so, that is such a good, I, I, can, I can see the pure cause and effect of that diva in that situation. Yes, fully. It's amazing. It's not just a bit of fun. No. It's not just a thought experiment. No. It's fully realised. Exactly. No, no, she thought this one through. Yeah. She thought this one through. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She's done her research. (laughs) I wonder where they met. Were they like hanging around, would she be Studio 54? She said that, she actually said, I don't know whether they even did meet. What she said on Graham Norton was that she didn't know how we got her number. Oh, yes. Didn't he phone her in her trailer? Yes. On, On the set of... Um, the American, not the American president, it was just on the BBC. Uh, the one with John Travolta playing Bill Clinton. Oh. Uh, primary Colours. Yes. Oh my God, yeah. sinister. He phoned, it, like, her phone rang in her trailer and she picked it up and he was like, hi, oh, is Donald Trump? Like, you slam the phone down, wouldn't you? He would, yeah. He'd burn uh, the But phone. I love what she did. She, um, she uh, didn't break his heart too quickly. She just said she'll get back to him and then ghosted him. I think oh. that's kind of good. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah exactly. She'd ruffled the toupee that could have been poltergeist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Ghosted Donald Trump. Well done. Turn out his TV. If only. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's my American visa fucked, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's listening. Uh, but if he is, you're a cunt. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. never know. That's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God, I'm having so much fun. Uh, <laughs> Robert, what does the word diva mean to you? What does it mean to you? This is a good one. A good question. I think it means being... You're welcome. (laughs) I think it means um, being deservedly proud. Oh, yes. Yes, Because, you know, it comes with all the negative connotations. It does. Often in the way that when someone calls someone a diva, it comes with some kind of, they shouldn't be, but they are. How dare they? But you've kind of you've instigated something for them to be a diva in the first place you know what I mean people people only respond to the stimulus they're given and some people just don't um take shit exactly exactly oh so right yes exactly it it, it is explicitly I think a way of keeping people who have who are perceived to be the less less dominant in society down as it it, is definitely a gendered uh, derogatory, derogatory term 100 percent. 100 yeah yes deservedly proud of your achievements and who you are that is being a diva absolutely and it's so often feminized isn't it like you say it's so it's so gendered um because i mean you just don't get that with any straight cis man do you you get applauded no. for it um whereas 
we we don't. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A straight Swiss man would be would be called forthright or um, yeah. assertive, or yeah, confident. Essentially, even even mask. Or even for, now, it sometimes gets used as a derogatory term towards two sort of emasculate you like to, yeah like a straight cis man would be told oh you're being such a diva which implies that you've you've lost your masculinity in yeah. some way yeah but you become feminized it's like, so toxic yeah it's unbelievably so yeah exactly but through the great work of people like ourselves we are reclaiming it <laughs> brilliant and accordingly the coal face absolutely i should I ask you brilliant oh thanks babe have you ever been a diva well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've said that every day. <laughs> um, you can check out the Twitter account where. Yes! Um, <laughs> so easy to I verify. Was... <laughs> I think that just answers the question. Exactly. Um, a... Yes, I have. I have. Yes. Um, I had grand visions of theatre in my living room, which never came to fruition. Um... <laughs> don't know, babe. Don't She's think. got quite the CV. No, no, it's true. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She's done really well. Yeah. <laughs> I needed that. Um, no, um, the, these shows that I used to put on in my living room, whenever they go hideously wrong, it was um, it was the terrible, it was terrible management. Uh, it could have all been handled so much better, um, and I was better than that. Um, <laughs> so that was <laughs> they, they were my diva moments. Um, <laughs> Oh, it's like best. a subcategory of divas where you palm all the responsibility off onto someone else for your own mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah, that's what being a diva really is. <laughs> yes. I mean, oh, dear. You must have seen, you've seen Patti LaBelle wear my background singers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have I? It's one of my favourite videos of all time. I'm actually, um, I'm, <laughs> so for some random reason during lockdown, I edited the audio of <laughs> Maria singing The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music with Patti LaBelle saying where my background <laughs> singers. And for some reason, it just works. And, <laughs> and at some point, I am going <laughs> to upload a video of me lip Oh, my God, please. <laughs> please it just, do. It just, yes. it just really works. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, oh, yes. <laughs> I can't wait to cover Patti LaBelle. Uh, have you seen we oh. must send you this video of uh, you, you see it's, it's the it's an, a Tommy anniversary concert where she plays the acid queen I haven't seen it oh my god I'm gonna send it to you is this, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. iconic she hasn't had she didn't bother coming to tech she saw like hey, one day we're like yeah yeah da, 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 great. turned up fine. in tech in like, her trackies <laughs> I was like see you later and then she comes on and it's the first time the who have seen her and they're all like just doing the intro and then Pastor Bell walks on <laughs> And she's dressed as the, the green triangle from Quality Street. Like, she's just... It's <laughs> <laughs> she, absolutely insane. Yes, girl. And then she turns out, this performance was just pitched so perilously on the edge of being, like, transcendently good and terrible. And, <laughs> and at the end, there's a costume reveal. She has a tear away. And at the very end, she sort of just stands there and looks with this look on her face like... I am the shit. And then she walks off. I did that. I did that. I did that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Eat shit, Tina Turner. It, it's fucking everything. So good. Oh, sh- shout out to Ruben K, deep friend of the pod, for introducing me to that <laughs> video. God, it's so good. Ah, oh, my God, I'm having so much fun. Right. Well, we shall have a little break. And then when we get back, we shall talk about Gwen Verdon. Gorgeous. Ah! 
we're back! So, the great Gwen Verdon, unless you've been living in a cocoon or shouldn't really be listening to this podcast, you will have watched her story in acclaimed, award-winning FX miniseries, Fossey Verdon. But for Big Diva Energy, it's just Verdon, with obvious, frequent discussions of Fossey because it's impossible <laughs> not to. But damn it, we're mostly here for Gwen. <laughs> we're re- it's Verdon Fossey today. <laughs> Verdon brackets fossil. We're giving her top billing. <laughs> yes. Oh dear. What does she mean to you, Gwen? Um, I think she means. Did you call me Gwen? <laughs> Gwen, what does she mean to you, Robert? Gwen, um, what does Robert mean to you, Gwen? What does Robert mean to you, Gwen? <laughs> she, she means. Um, she's she's that um classic symbol of someone who has propagated a lot of uh, male success. Um, without getting the due credit for it. She is just pure talent and um, a visionary. She, to me, she represents something that made me question like all my years of training because whenever you're doing a fossey number in, you know, musical theatre, dance class or whatever, it's always, you know, it's the fossey is the icon. She's never mentioned, ever. Mm. She's never, ever mentioned. She's never taught because she didn't get top billing. But she, you know, she curated those moves with him. Um, so, yeah, she, she, she challenged me and yes. made me think, why, why don't I know about Gwen Burden? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that in this specific, um, specifically kind of localized area of art and culture where we would think that where women are traditionally actually put front and center mm. for some reason it's still the male auteur yeah and like you know you could kind of go oh it's patty lapone singing the sondheim songbook but it would still be patty lapone doing it it's not gwen verdon delivering bob fossey's choreography it's not even Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon's choreography as performed by Gwen Verdon. It's him front and centre. Yes. Is it very, is it a spoiler alert for the second part to say uh, about the very sort of the slightly passive aggressive notes at the end of the last episode of Fosse Verdon? No, no, I don't think so. In which it basically says, um, after celebrating sort of 40 years of working together of their, and I think, I can't remember the word that they use, but it's a very specific word in time. Their combined... Uh, project or whatever they worked mm. on, all the stuff that they worked on together. They opened twelve years after his death a uh, a review of all of his work, and it was called Fossey. Fossey, yeah. And it just like left it at that, and you just went, oh, yeah, yeah, Ooh, the, brilliant. The, the program was sassing him and his yeah. sort of legacy. That's really interesting. Actually. Yeah, even... and also the book that that program is based on is called Fossey. Fossey. Yeah, and they very specifically called the program Fossey Verdon. So yeah, yeah, because they knew he'd watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, you and read I'm... the first half of the title, don't you? You read from left to right, <laughs> and if it starts with "verd," you get bored by the done. So you're like, "No, don't know, don't know what that is." Um, yeah, yes, that's very true. Exactly, actually. and I guess maybe there was also a level of complicity with her in terms of disappearing into that name. Maybe she felt safer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I completely. I think she played the game. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she. I think she definitely knew what she was. Get, you know the position that she was in um yeah and she she rolled with it and she got the success that she could get at that time exactly which is diva in its own way to yes. you know to to get success on your terms but yes it's not it's it's unsatisfied it feels like something doesn't sit right with us now does it with no us? and and here's the thing it's not 
to discredit Bob Fosse and say that he didn't do anything. It's just to say that she did it as well. So hold them on the same hold them on the same pedestal, you know. He, he specifically said he 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 couldn't do it without her, and that's not just a, a throwaway cliched comment. He could not do it without her. She she kind of in his personal life as well. She brought him back from so much crap, and how she stood by him. Um, if if we're to believe what happens on Fossey Burden, but how she stood by him all, the, all those years um, kind of blows my mind. And yeah, yeah she yeah. got him those awards. Absolutely. And as we'll see, he is consistently propped up by women be- before and after her as well. Yes. So like, he has, a, I mean, we're, I said we're not going to talk about him, but we are obviously going to have to talk about him. But like, he has such a fucked up relationship with women, doesn't he? And and stemming from childhood abuse, like that, what happened to him mm. when he was dancing in burlesque clubs was obviously a, abuse, like yeah. pure and yeah. simple. Um but his relationship with women was profoundly disturbed um, as much as he kind of worshipped them to an extent and, and obviously desired them, the shit he put them through. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get back to Gwen then. <laughs> yeah. So Gwyneth Evelyn Verdon was born in Culver City, California in 1925 to two British expats. Her mother, Gertrude, was a former vaudevillian and her father, William, an electrician at MGM. Gwen suffered with rickets as a toddler and was forced to wear corrective boots and braces to straighten her legs. And because children are cunts, she was teased and called gimpy. (laughs) So ostensibly to help with the rickets, Verdon's mum enrolled her in dance class at the age of three and by six she was already performing publicly, billed as the fastest little tapper in the world. But to BH, I'm already calling Liza Minnelli on that one because... I think her mum wanted her to dance. Yes. Like, she's I just, a dance teacher. I, she's a dance teacher. And then she's like, mm, it's for the rickets. <laughs> for the rickets. <laughs> the perfect excuse for any pushy parent. She was already aware of stage mum stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. and she was trying to kind of circumnavigate them already. Faster, Gwen, faster. Get rid of those rickets. <laughs> tappity, 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 tap. <laughs> so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit, what's it like being a child performer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a great question. Um, <laughs> I... Not just from the videos, as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah, also your career yeah. in the West your End. Your career in the West End, which you, you, you uh, made several strides in as a child. Yes. It's it's a good question because I, um, I, I never had to dance for the rickets, you know? So... <laughs> You dance for the joy. <laughs> <laughs> I truly was not um, ever pushed into it. It's just something I somehow gravitated to and wanted to do. I don't know how to be totally honest because it's never been in the family at all. Um, really? No, not at all. So yeah. I, I gravitated towards it. And um, and it becomes interesting when something that's this beautiful uh, dream fairyland it yeah. happens in reality and you're like wow this it, it, it's not what I expected but it is but it and it also isn't but I think something that I noticed was that I <laughs> I didn't really have any airs and graces about mm. the industry I was in and you could tell who was raised with the knowledge of what it would be and mm. who wasn't and um you know I think child actors have such a a brilliant sense of fun about them and play and they're doing what we do 
but without all of those you know yes those yeah. the other things you learn to have to deal with and yeah. it was just it was magical um but I could tell that there were other kids who were much more regimented and structured and it was a job for them which was bizarre to see as a nine-year-old like you're nine yeah. as well why aren't you having fun and yeah. then yeah but um I'd say the show I was in the first one I I did was Mary Poppins and that was probably the perfect show to do because of the special effects because yes. they all knew that it was my first show and I was only nine years old and it was also my favorite show um and they made an active effort not to tell me what any of the special effects were or how they worked or and I never knew oh. ever oh. ever knew and I fully I never saw I saw the wires on Mary but in terms of like the carpet bag and pulling all that stuff out I never knew how it worked I still don't really know how that works um oh, so they actually gorgeous. preserved the magic for the for the innocent kid which I think that is, is so special that, that is, is so quite special yeah. yeah um but then there's other kids who'll tell you no there's mirrors and you can see that there's a table and it's like yeah okay shut yeah. up Steve yeah um yeah. <laughs> Steve the child actor <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah no it's a, it's a funny thing being a child actor you learn very quickly um how the industry works mm, um mm. that first year was wonderful and magical and then you go to stage school and then you're suddenly spending Thursday and Friday wearing, you know, a leotard and a hairnet. Um, I mean, I wasn't wearing the hairnet, but <laughs> and everyone to trying. It's it's just very strange. The um, yeah, you need to be very careful with teaching kids about theatre. It needs to be a certain type of theatre that you teach them. I think that sense of play and fun, and not not scrunch your hair into a bun every Thursday and don't move out of that. <laughs> That, I don't know. It depends what kind of yeah. theatre you're trying to go into, but yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's important not to use the, the sense of play. I think. Yeah, is that something you've tried to preserve as an as an adult performer as well? That sense of play and wonder. Yeah, well, there's a weird cutoff point, isn't there, when you become self-aware and self-conscious, um, and every actor needs to be a bit self-aware of what they're doing um, in order to make the right choices on stage. But the self-conscious thing is a separate issue. I find yeah and you know when you get to I think I was about 14 15 when I started doing the GCSEs and the voice was breaking and suddenly I was at this weird cut-off point where my agent was saying you, you've now reached a point where you're not going to go for the things that you used to go for and I don't know what you will go for next and you're like oh what's my identity now and then you start questioning what you look like and how you dress and all the things that never really affect you um so yeah, there, there does come this point where you have to uh, try and remember that sense of fun rather than just have it. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it's not yeah. as, it's never as innate as it used to be, um, which is a shame, but that's just a product of growing older and, and getting different opinions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was was that painful? Um, It was a bit kind of, I wouldn't say painful, but a bit of um, just a mind fuck. Yeah, right. It, it, it was just strange. So after going to stage school, um, I did enjoy my time there. Just a disclaimer. <laughs> but it's in, in <laughs> hindsight, things always look seem funny, don't they? Um, so after doing stage school, I just decided to like leave it for a while. Just did 
normal A-levels, normal sixth form and university and did an English degree um, because I think I really needed that because otherwise I'd spent from, I'd have spent from 2005 to 2000 and whatever, just, just doing that world where you have to be in musical theatre and you have to look like this and sing like this and act like this and not, not really know the wider world. Yeah. Um, and I think the best theatre can come from people that don't necessarily share all those things and are different and look different and sound different and approach the world through a different lens. I mean, my closest friend now isn't remotely interested in, in performing um, just because it's a, a shared sense of humour and and that's not nothing that I had known up until that point. All my close friends yeah. were staging. And yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of them still are. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and that's fine too. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine too. But um, I do think if you've been if you've been brought up from a young age, um, only knowing that world, it's important you kind of know something else, because otherwise it can get really scary when when the opportunities you thought were just a, a given aren't. You know, like yeah. rejection would be the hardest thing to face if if everything's been handed to you on a platter from the age of nine and you don't ever experience that when it does happen it, it'll hit you harder so yeah so that's that it's it's a funny thing a ch- the whole child performer thing I had a great time when I did it um yeah but I am I am glad that I kind of stepped away from it for a bit yeah yeah um, and I think it's a different I think it's a different thing than um discovering you like theatre later in your life and then yeah oh my god let your freak flag fly all the time but if if you like I say if you've done it from the age of dot you you lose that sense of fun you you do lose it because it comes it becomes your entire world and I stepped away from it and sorry to answer your question that's just gone on for ages no, I do apologize um yeah I did rediscover that sense of fun because I was able to step away from it and go that was cool when I was nine. Why is it cool now? Rather than this yeah. is just my life full stop. It just makes yeah. made me appreciate it so much more. Yeah. yeah. And you obviously had incredible parents as well who were kind yeah. of facilitating that. And yeah, they were brilliant. Through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, a um, sense of loss as well when you grow up as well is mm. something that we will see through Gwen's life as well. Mm. Which is yes. Something that comes up. Very much so. And she wasn't performing either at uh, Drury Lane or the O2, uh, unlike yourself. But Gwen danced underage at Florentine Gardens. She did. A place where gorgeous and talented young showgirls came to make a name for themselves, according to Dusty Sage's book, Burlesque in a Nutshell. So Gwen's mum lied about her age to help her secure the gig. Mm. <laughs> a great start. Red flag. No. Yeah. Ooh. Very early red flag. That. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Kahn who's a consulting producer on Fosse Verdon she said that uh, Gwen quickly became this young woman with an incredible talent and her mother created opportunities for her to dance wherever she could and that included burlesque clubs when she was 14 or 15 years old yes her mother was supportive of her career but that's a double-edged sword when you're a little kid and learning at a very young age to put allure and sensuality into your work Mm. it's strange isn't it it's it's such a weird concept (laughs) yeah it is yeah I mean like I'm conscious of the fact that we're talking about so when she born 20 1925 so like we're we're talking about the late 30s early 40s but and we're obviously much more 
aware about safeguarding children from performing sensuality and femininity these days and i don't know i mean if you think about something like um uh, jean Jean bonnet not to be too dark i guess being almost like a kind of real eye-opener for us about you can't put children under that kind of lens too early Mm. and Maybe in the, it, it, they, I don't know, every, everything happened a bit younger, didn't it, I guess, in those, in those yeah, days? Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. But she became the specialty act yeah. at Florentine Gardens. Uh, and according to her biographer, Peter Shelley, at 16, she became the girl in gold, which required her wearing a rubber bra and panties and with her entire body painted by her mother in shimmering gold powder and glycerine, presented before a house of very loud, very angry men. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's not it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> it's not a good look. I mean, the gold is a good look. The gold is fabulous. Yeah, yeah but like, but it's not a good look for the mother. We are slicking or, your daughter down or in for glycerin. the angry man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the crazy thing, isn't it? She was being thrust into that world at that age. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying about there are some kids who just know how the industry worked and some who didn't. It does come from a product of your upbringing and how your parents raise you. Because I guarantee that Gwen Verdon probably was like, oh, my God, I have to go on stage again tonight. And and I imagine, you know, if your mum's pushing you into into doing that, the more they push, the more you want to, you know, resist. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's what you were saying about keeping the wonder and the joy. If your mum's a form of Audevillian and she's like, right, let's get the glycerin out, here we go. Like, <laughs> it's not going to feel like, oh my God, what has Mary Poppins got in her, in her bag? How, yes. am I, how is this happening? This is so wonderful. It's going to be like, oh, I've got glycerin in my, in my eye again. <laughs> right, exactly. Cause it's, it's a job, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's adulthood too early. And there's always that conversation about how um, it's a very valid point. No parent wants their child to have too many hopeful things from the world. Um, but you can you can raise cynicism too early, can't yes, you? Yes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. It's it's a fine it's a fine line to to prepare your child for how tough the world is, but also you know keeping them keeping them kids. Absolutely. Yeah, preserving that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure well, glycerin just... is, is the way to go. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no. I would, just to be super stagey, I guess it's kind of the moral of into the woods, isn't it? Yes. You can lock your child away, but they will discover the darkness and they will be listening. And uh, yeah, I just love any excuse to talk about into the woods. <laughs> Me <they>? too. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> Who doesn't? I saw. Um, I was watching The Little Mermaid two the other day. Oh, There's a sequel. I never knew. And um, it's it's really quite something. <laughs> and um, like the villain comes on, and uh, she she emerges from the sea, and then Sebastian just goes, Ursula's crazy sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's who she is then. <laughs> the crazy sister that was never mentioned in the first film, not one. <laughs> I fully recommend watching oh it. Oh my god, I'm so going to. <laughs> it's it's the reverse of the Little Mermaid. Ariel becomes a parent whose daughter desperately wants to go swimming, and she says, "No, you can't." <laughs> so what she does is she makes a pact. A- Ariel's daughter makes a pact with Ursula's crazy sister to become a mermaid, 
like it's it's the, it's the Little Mermaid, but in reverse. It should just be called like Jerome. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just the Little Mermaid, but the other way around. I absolutely love it. I love the throwaway. She wants to go swimming. As well. she just, That's what it is. It's like this big. Desperate, she 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 just wants to dip in the sea, and there was like, no, you mustn't. There's danger in the sea. Well, I'll be a mermaid then. <laughs> Fine. That's his crazy sister. sister. <laughs> Maybe that is our social distance promenade. Panto is uh, is Little Mermaid too. <laughs> Yes. It's called The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea. Oh, incredible. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm all over it. Get in the sea. Get in the sea. <laughs> Get in the sea. Yeah, I prefer that. Right, okay, so I'm going to provide a quick trigger warning here because we're about to talk shortly about sexual assault. So for any listeners that would like to... Um, scooch forward a little bit please feel free to do so we'll probably be talking for about a minute or so about something very unpleasant um so up until the release of aforementioned seminal miniseries Vossi Verdon uh the story had always gone that Gwen as a late teen became pregnant by a much older friend of her parents who subsequently they then forced her to marry him and and this period as we obviously will understand why sort of shrouded in uh, euphemism and mystery uh, biographers can't even agree how long the marriage lasted so one biographer records it as being 5 years uh, gwen interviewed by the new york times in 1981 then in her late 50s said my son was born in march and on new year's eve i said that's it and i went home to mama i mean even that account is really sanitized i think and uh and played down because she, she was a 16 or 17 year old girl forced to marry her parents mate I mean that's absolutely fucked up and in some states that's illegal not in California even to this day California has no minimum age requirement for getting married in most states the age of consent wow. is 18 I know mad wow. isn't it oh. so they just need court order and parental consent that's all they need yeah Blech. fucked up California Mad. as well. Mm. Otherwise a very liberal state, but yeah. the home of Hollywood. So yeah. it just tells you what everything you need to know, yeah, doesn't it? It kind of does, yeah. Yes. Uh, Grotty. Nice. So Gwen may well have decided to keep these details private in order to protect her son. However, Nicole Fossey, Gwen and Bob's daughter, and an exec producer on Fossey Verdon, very prominent exec producer, <laughs> if you watch it. Yeah. She, she's a very prominent character. Yeah, she's, she's in there. Uh, so she pulled pieces of her childhood memories and scraps of overheard conversations together to present the altogether darker version depicted in the show, in which the young Gwen is sexually assaulted by the man who would later become her husband. Yeah, it's a horrible moment in the show, isn't it? Yeah. It's just so relatable and dark and, yeah, horrific. And you kind of go, well, maybe Gwen didn't want people to know this, but her, if her daughters put it out there, then... Yeah. yeah. I was just, sorry, I was just going to say that I think it, it the reason why it was so shocking to watch is because, because those kind of performers from that, you know, the golden age of musical theatre or whatever, there's such a... They have such a specific style about them and such an elegance and a, a grace. And it's seeing the power that that has. You see that through a completely different lens. That smile that you they'd give doing who's got the pain when when they do the mambo. Um, that's what the song's called. Oh, my God. I've... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, that smile that they have and the power of that choreography when you know where they've come from. Um you just see it in a completely different a, a, a yes. new strength a new strength yeah. um so true and it it goes for you know so many performers i mean we all 
gravitate towards that story, don't we? Of the yeah. the broken artist who somehow manages to rise from the ashes. Um, mm. Yeah. So the, the fact that some the fact that she she went through that at a young age and then became what she was, you kind of have to separate the two identities and how you craft an identity out of out of that, how you rebuild. And um, it's just incredible, really. It is amazing. And I think it's probably so there's something to do with there's a nugget there about what what we've been talking about, about her hiding behind Bob, I think, maybe of, of a, a way of giving herself a veneer and putting that smile on and having a career and, and not letting trauma stop you from realizing your potential. Mm. Maybe there's something in that as well. Mm. Yes, um, probably. Yeah. I mean, just even just on the page, even before, like, so I read some articles that would came out before Fossey Verdon and you can, you can just tell, you can read it on the page and you can go, there's something wrong there. Something's not being said. Mm. Yeah. Like she, she eloped at 17 with a friend of her parents. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Deborah Khan again, she said, she was talking to Nicole and she, she met him at her parents' home. He was a personal friend of the family. He was a theatre critic and a little bit of a talent manager. And then shortly after, he was a married man with a serious drinking problem who couldn't do his job. His very young wife, who had stopped dancing and literally threw away her dancing shoes to be a mother and a wife, was writing his columns for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something don't add up, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. No. And then speaking to the New York Times, uh, Gwen later said, I thought being married meant doing the laundry. I mean, what do you know when you're at that age? She added of her husband, he was a drinker, so he would wind up in Kansas City and not remember how he got there. So obviously Gwen ends up being married to another addict later in life and doing a lot of uncredited work for him. So, I mean... <sighs> We sort of brushed on it earlier, but what do we think of this sort of side of her character, which um, I think forbears under neglect, abuse from an addicted man, sort of seems to be a recurring thing. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And I guess that's maybe just something about the female experience in the early part of the last century, Mm. (laughs) like was getting on with it and doing what you were... I don't know. Yeah, doing what the man tells you. It, it's it's true, isn't it? I mean, mm. it's a, it's a real product of its time conversation, isn't it? Because yeah, I just know for a fact that half of the stuff that happens happened then you would not get away yeah. with, and mm-hmm. women aren't going to t- aren't in that <laughs> world anymore. But that yeah. was the world then, and um, it's completely bizarre. And also, it's it's not a it's not a reason for an excuse to say, well, that's just how it was then. No, it was still yeah. bad. We just know, but we know it's bad now. Um, it was yes. bad then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think so many yeah. times we can we can excuse it and say, yeah, but that's just that's just how it was back then. Well, yeah, that's because the very meaning of back then means that does that mean we it's history and it's archaic? And we can no longer touch it. We can't even yeah. speak about that anymore. No, we have to go back and, and assess what went wrong in order to learn how we can be better. Uh, exactly. So it's such, um, yeah. So no, wrong. <laughs> wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. so true. And you hear that argument so often, especially yes. from the conservative right. Sort of that Always. argument that, um, mm. oh, uh, you you can't place your current um, modern day morals onto yeah. a past group of people, and you're like, 
Well, Aren't you I? can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? I reckon I can. Yeah, yeah I just did. <laughs> exactly. It's, oh, look. <laughs> it's so true because, like, you know, you, you, we're not looking back at the Tudors and going, like, oh, so they got married when they were 13. Well, that was the way it was. Exactly. Like, so, so it's exactly. okay. <laughs> It's yeah. a thing with it's a thing with recent history that we try and excuse it because it's closer to us and it's closer to home. Exactly. And it's and we you know, know people that might have lived through it. Exactly. Yeah. It could be our grandparents that we're we're kind of excusing their racism, sexism, homophobia. Yeah. Um yeah. we we know these people and they're lovable. Um Yeah, exactly. Well humans are through are multidimensional, you know. They can be lovable on the one hand and they can also have some deeply wrong views and opinions about yeah. the way the world yeah. works. Um, yeah. So it's important that we hold everything to the same standard. Yeah, but it, it's true what you say, but you, we we don't do that. Henry VIII beheaded his wives. <laughs> well, that's just that's just what they did, you know. It's just what they did. <laughs> they didn't have no fault divorces, so <laughs> we still don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh well, don't worry. We're going to get out of this darkness and and get some get some more joy. So Fossey Verdon shows Gwen writing these columns for her awful husband, and in so doing, meeting the dancer choreographer Jack Cole. Uh, Verdon later told the New York Times, "I was absolutely floored. I did not write a review. I went backstage. I was not even dancing at the time, and I said, if I get back in condition, can I audition for you?'" And he said yes. Within a year, she was Cole's assistant, which opened a lot of doors, behind which was money to feed her son. And one of the main ways she got money was by coaching other divas, such as Jane Russell, Rita Hayworth, Betty Grable and Marilyn Monroe on how to move sexily on screen. I mean... Crazy, isn't it? Can you even? How mad. (laughs) I just... Can you imagine Gwen Verdon teaching... Marilyn Monroe had to perform <laughs> sexuality. <laughs> like, ugh, and I love I love the whole idea of the performative nature of it. I I yeah. love I love that it that it's taught. Um yes, me too. Marilyn's a character, right? I mean yes. there's no hiding that. And the fact mm-hmm. that it's so <laughs> the fact that she had masterclasses from from good old Gwen on on how to perform something which the public just bought as fact. That's yes. the genius behind it. It's so calculated and it's it's so choreographed, but they made it look like a person. Not a perform not not on stage, um, just a Marilyn, do you know? Yes. Yes. Walking down the street. Um it's everything can be a performance if you want it to be, but it's how you it's how sharply you can do it to to pull, to pull the wool over people's eyes. Oh, it's so true. This conversation is so pertinent, I think, to the way that we are as a generation dismantling gender and thinking about what it means to perform gender. Yeah. And you think about like, uh, you know, RuPaul not letting uh, trans women on or not saying that trans women can can be can can do drag or it's it's we all need to learn that these are it's a set of it's a set of moves. It's a set of choreography that's yes. been taught and any fucker can do it. It's just... Mm. Yes, absolutely. It's, I was talking about this with um, my mum and dad the other day. <laughs> Forgot no one else to talk to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're amazing. I was talking about how... The, it's so strange that I talked to mum and dad about this. But <laughs> the, in hindsight, the, like a limp wrist equals penis <laughs> do you know <laughs> no I mean yeah uh, like you see a boy who walks a little bit uh differently to another boy and you 
unconsciously assimilate that with who they go to bed with and it's it's a really bizarre concept um because sexuality has somehow become in, inherently intrinsically linked to your gender performance um and i'm not sure why i'm not sure why that is a thing and when when people come out and the response is we all we always knew no you didn't did you well then the joke was on me all of this time is what i always think when people say that to me it's like well was it really a surprise i'm like well <laughs> i i didn't know until i did did come out yeah so if you're saying you knew um that kind of makes me feel as though you were in on something that i never knew all of these years and it makes me think why did you know something that i didn't know and it's because i have a limp wrist and i'm a bit light on my feet and a bit camp uh and that to you means you will be with a man do you know what i mean it's just yeah it's a absolutely. very bizarre thing um yeah and yeah the, the whole performative uh nature of gender is uh it's yeah. such a something that we really need to be talking more about and i'm glad that absolutely. these conversations are happening now yeah and, and they I'm, really are yeah and i'm really pleased that like people will start re-evaluating that that part of the of, of that exactly what you're, you're articulating other people adults looking at children and prescribing a sexuality to them needs to be seen in the way that it, it, it is totally inappropriate yes it's as inappropriate to say to a little boy who likes dancing you know with hindsight oh i always knew as it is to dress a little girl up for a pageant and tell her to pout and and, and dance around because you are still projecting a sexuality onto them that they haven't chosen mm. yeah completely yeah. fully well, we will refer these to Miriam Margulies when she's giving the codes. <laughs> these, these are the rules that we want implemented. She'll be so pleased as well. She will. God, the things she could do. Still only in her 20s, Gwen made the difficult decision to leave her son with her parents to raise him. So people often have quite a lot to say about women who are not able to raise their children or point fingers at women who are perceived to be putting their careers before their children. And quite frankly, they can get to fuck. But after Gwen's death, her son Jim Henahan told People magazine that she strived to keep a sense of normalcy in our lives. It was different from a normal childhood, but it was normal for me. We're on the cusp of Gwen's ascent to fully realise greatness. Uh, obviously, it wasn't something that she spoke about publicly in her lifetime, lest we forget, as we were saying, we were talking about this all going on in the late 30s and early 40s. Um, but now that the show and her daughter have put it out there, I think we are able to assimilate her status as a survivor into the fuller picture of her as an icon mm. and uh, see that for, for, the, for what it is, see the strength in that, I think, and incorporate that into the picture that we are now allowing we've been because of Fossey Verdon really allowed to pull more into focus so that's where we'll leave it for this week and when we get back next time uh, we will get into Gwen's big break and meeting Barbie let's make that part one and then we could pick up and have a lovely chat about Gwen Verdon from there like that's a good like just before she meets Bob Fossey makes sense doesn't it yeah it might even be a three-parter <laughs> ends up like oh yes 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 <laughs> three acts yes three act structure all right Brill so we'll... covering it more than Fossey Verdon yeah, <laughs> yes <laughs> There'll be less we'll fucking do... Nicole in it. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Fucking hell. She's always in it. Stay out of the writer's room. It's like you turn around. Oh, no, Nicole's got a song now, has she? Okay. She's doing a dance number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, been, we'd, we'd already put <laughs> Pornicol, the Michelle Porn- of the Fossey Verdon story. There was like a it point should just be called <laughs> Should we call Fossey Verdon Nicole? Fossey Verdon Nicole. Fossey slash Verdon slash Nicole. <laughs> we were watching it and it was like we'd pointed this out a couple of episodes in and we were like here's how much because uh, Holly was like oh yeah she's a, she's an executive producer on it and then we got like three or four episodes and we were like she's in it a lot okay, Nicole. <laughs> and then we got to this one point where there's this scene where I don't know if you remember it but uh, she's doing her like dance recital and uh, Fosse and Bird and Tell and they start bickering about Chicago in the audience yeah. and there's just this point when you see Nicole and the actress just goes <laughs> like while she's dancing and you're just like this is so manufactured your grievance like this one long axe grinding so true it's so true that's why you have to, <laughs> have to wa- watching it through that lens knowing that she's the exec producer is so funny so I might have fun. to go back and rewatch. Yeah, do oh, it. honestly I'll be like oh here she is <laughs> yeah. oh she's just got some makeup on this time oh god I didn't know Nicole wrote cabaret <laughs> So, hang on, Nicole Fossey was Liza Minnelli, or is that... <laughs> yeah, But yeah. she also wrote and directed it. I don't... It's very confusing. Oh! Oh, that was so... She funny. deserves her own... I should have done Nicole. Nicole <laughs> <laughs> Fossey! We should have done Nicole. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a different podcast this yeah, week. Uh, you might not have heard of... <laughs> you will have heard of her parents. <laughs> but... We're not doing them. We're not doing them. <laughs> Have you heard of Bob Fosse? Did you know about his muse? Yeah, it's not about her. It's about <laughs> their daughter. Uh, Cheetah Rivera? No. No. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Did she ever do No, she never never really performed. No. <laughs> never done um, she, she is an actress. She never did. She's they, been in TV. Did... She does like TV <laughs> acting. I think. They did cover that bit at one stage, didn't they? They were like, and Nicole had a very successful career, actually. Yeah, but, but it, was, uh... like, it was like the last bit of the, the last bit of the series. If she wanted to, she could have been on Broadway. And the, the last shot of the whole series is is her farm and her like car driving away, and it says Nicole now lives on a farm in like Alabama or something. You're like, I don't care. I love that. <laughs> Nicole lives a very happy life on a ranch with her chicken. Actually, yes. Nicole's right. like the with a do- lovely husband yeah. who definitely wasn't mean. Yeah, <laughs> like a dad, like an awful dad. <laughs> She's living the life that every parent tells their their dead kid, their kids' dead pet is living. Yeah. She's gone to live on a farm. She's Nicole very lives on a farm happy. In the sky. <laughs> Whatever happened to Nicole? <laughs> She's gone to a farm. Oh, God. She did a bit of TV and then she went to oh, a farm. If only we could get Nicole's gone to a farm to catch on as a catchphrase. Please, hashtag it. Hashtag oh. Nicole's gone to a farm. Nicole's gone to a farm. So that brings us to plugs and hugs, babe. What have you got to plug? Ooh. Got anything to plug? Oh, it's it's interesting to to know what to plug really because I am working on a show but I don't I don't know when it's coming yet to plug yeah. it but um stay tuned for yes. more but yeah I'm working on a little um little one hour long I'd say we're aiming for an hour you know when I go through these videos it could end up being six <laughs> but um we're aiming for an hour uh, just fun and giggles on come come with a drink uh, one man show of how to um raise a queer kid oh, the right I way. Love it. Um, and uh, just essentially to show that a little boy wearing a wig isn't something to be scared of. There's nothing scary about it. It can actually be fun and hilarious and 
a chaotic mess. Amazing. Um, like this podcast. And just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, incredible. What, what, are your, what are your handles? Give them, oh, a, yeah, give give them your handles. handles. The handles would be at Rob underscore Madge underscore O2. Yes, I did make this Twitter account when I performed at the O2 in Les Mis. Stop um, it! <laughs> and now it's with me forever. As is the O2 yes. and the experience. <laughs> As is the O2. And my Instagram is the same but with no underscores. Rob Madge O2. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did them all at the same time. <laughs> Every time I have to say it, a little bit of my soul tips away. <laughs> no, I love it. It's. But if I retained my uh, another dot com email address for when I was like thirty, which was havingabud one hundred and one at hastalavistababy dot com. Amazing. I'm just I'm gonna bite off my wedding ring. <laughs> Why? That was not revealed. I still had havingabud one hundred and one at hotmail dot com for a long time. Oh my god! Well, to be fair, I had Curtarella underscore Tubs because I like the League of Gentlemen and Nirvana for a long. Time. <laughs> Oh, you had tubs, though. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> she was an icon. She is. <laughs> She's a spirit animal. Gives <laughs> you a clue up where I was at as a teenager, wasn't it? Really depressed. I was right there with you. <laughs> right there with you. Oh, my God, maybe we could do a, a tubs and Edward drag one time. <laughs> <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. If you could find a song that you could edit the audio of uh, Tubbs and Edwards, like they're one of their sketches, but put it over like some absolutely amazing song. We could do a little priest. Yeah. <laughs> little priest. Yeah. And we'll get like the precious things in there. And oh, all my those God. Quotes. Yes. And you could be David, the, the, the sun in the attic. Oh, thanks. That <laughs> <laughs> you never see. I love yeah. him. I just love him Tapping so much. Away. They're such psychopaths, oh, aren't I they? It. I mean, they're literally based. They're such murderers. <laughs> um, but they're just... Did you see the comebacks special when they did a re- they did it? Yeah, they it sort of started Brexit. Yes, <laughs> Edward kind of like this works for you, Kip. I haven't seen that. We did it's the the reunion episode. I drink too much. <laughs> Don't remember that. Song. <laughs> Right yeah. there with you. I'm like all all of this podcast. I'm like, was I pissed when I watched? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my god, oh, this right. has been the best day of my life. Um, I'm obsessed oh, with thank you. you so <laughs> <much>. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Oh, thank you, babe. Thank, yeah, you, thank so you so much. So it's much. Just it's been, been so much fun. So much fun. Cut out any of the no, shit. No, there ain't any. <laughs> there ain't none. None. It's all, all right, gone. Then. What are you doing for the rest of your Sunday? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going <laughs> to have a gin. Have, have a gin, gin. lovely. <laughs> have a gin or two. And, um, yeah, try, try and get some writing of this show that I keep saying Ooh, I'm going to do. But, yes. <laughs> but I haven't actually you done any of it now. You plug it <laughs> yeah. now, baby. you got writing. There's, there's me, like, yeah, plugging this show. Being like, I've got some videos. There's going to be this, <laughs> this show that's going to happen. Is there anything on my laptop? No, don't <laughs> so maybe I'll maybe I'll start that because <laughs> honestly, time is of the essence, isn't it? My fifteen minutes are quickly running out. So. <laughs> oh baby, well good luck with that, my darling. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Gwen Verdon-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, you can tweet us at Diva Energy, find us on Instagram at Big Diva Energy, or Facebook at Big Diva Energy Pod, or email us at Big Diva Energy Pod at gmail.com. 
This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If you think we're the tits and all that jazz, then don't forget to like and subscribe. If, like Emma Thompson being asked on a date by Trump, you're going to get back to us. Get, get in, in the, the sea! sea. Bye. Bye. Bye! See you later. Bye! Bye.